action. Hello and welcome to episode 79 of Your Average Critics. It's a two-man sesh with myself and Obi. How are you doing, Obi? I'm good, mate. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. Like I was, uh, I've had a week off, so I've been catching up on some films, uh, like new releases and some old ones from Netflix. Um, is there any film news this week? Um, I'm just trying to find out. Oh, uh, Disney Disney Plus have revealed some details about their new streaming service. Oh yeah. So it's coming in. It's coming into the US in November of this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I read it might be coming internationally in this, the first half of next year, so 2020. Okay. Did they and reveal anything about pricing? So they said um, either. I think they said it would start off at seven dollars a month or sixty nine or yeah, $69 for the whole year. Okay. And they were saying, I think um, they're bringing, they're basically in the process now of bringing all of their content, taking it from other platforms and putting it onto like theirs exclusively. So I think that means like all the Star Wars and like uh, all the Marvel, Pixar, Disney, uh, National Geographic, all that stuff. Interesting. And um, they showed a couple i think they talked about a couple of um new films they're gonna do like um oh god i can't remember there's so there was a make- lady in the tramp remake that was it yeah really? lady in tramp remake there was um what's it called uh there was one what one starring anna kendrick but i can't remember what yeah i think i think that called. was it wasn't it oh was that it oh, okay i think so i think she might be voicing one of them right. i don't know if lady in the tramp's one of those ones you really want to see remade like are they going to do it live action quote-unquote or i don't know because lady in the tramp such like a perfect film within itself Mm. you know really iconic with the animation so it does sound to me like a basically a straight to what what i would have called in the past straight to dvd film yeah (laughs) basically so yeah it's not really one that i'm particularly too fussed about but obviously there's going to be like you know more for like little kids i guess same with frozen really well they're they're going to let i think they're going to bring that out cinematically i think it's coming out this year right yeah and then, yeah, they're going to put it on their streaming service shortly afterwards. That seems like such a strange move. Yeah. Because, you know, Frozen, the first one, made like 1.2 billion, was the highest grossing animated film ever. Mm. And and the sequel is probably very highly anticipated. And yeah. they're going to, you know, they're potentially cannibalizing a lot of their audience by putting it on the streaming service. Because um, if you think, like, how many tickets or how much is a ticket you know like what 10 12 dollars or something and i don't know you just think like surely they're cutting some of their profits unless they think that people will pay you know for the streaming service just for films like frozen 2 maybe to be fair but like i don't know like i I kind of feel the same way this as i felt about um DC Universe in that is there enough like original like new stuff for them to put on that people actually think yeah this is worth worth me paying $70 a year for I think with um with Disney Plus the advantage they have is not necessarily the new stuff but the old stuff yeah like now that they've acquired Fox and they've got Pixar I think I'm pretty I heard that they they bought the rights for I think one of their original trilogy films, I think maybe A New Hope, I think was some reason owned by Time Warner or something, mm. uh, one of the other companies. 
um, and they've paid to get those rights back. So now they have all of them, including yeah. including their own old theme music, which was um, owned by 20th Century Fox mm. or something. So, you know, if you for seven dollars a month can watch all ten Star Wars films that have been released mm. and all the Fox back catalogue and all the Pixar's and all the old Disney movies and all of that, like personally I would, because that content is arguably a lot better than what's currently on Netflix and you know, you pay ten pounds a month for Netflix. That's true. Um, so I think that's probably their one big advantage. Whereas DC, I mean, they've got all their animated properties, um, yeah. but I don't know whether they would own all of the old DC films, such as your Dark Knight trilogy, such as the Timber and Batman, you know, because they're probably owned by studios rather than DC themselves. That's a good point. Yeah, I'm not sure, to be fair. Um, I also heard that, uh, so some, you know, they're, pretty much every minor character in the MCU is getting their own TV show. Yeah. Uh, so apparently first or late half of this year um, will be Winter Soldier and Falcon's TV show. Which, Great. <laughs> I don't know who wants that. Who um, cares? <laughs> I know. And then the second half or then a year later will be WandaVision, which is what they've decided to call that's a terrible the name. Scarlet Witch and Vision you know TV show. Those are both terrible names. Really terrible. Cool. Also, like if these characters are dying in Endgame, or like I, I don't want to see them um, in a TV show. And if they aren't dying in Endgame, then is this TV show going to be canon? Like, yeah, you know, I, I'm these characters for me are not interesting enough to have their own individual TV shows or films. Well, actually, obviously. Disney have decided that they're not important enough to have their own film, so yeah. they're putting them on what a shitty TV show. I don't know, and I think for me, obviously, like the having the original actors play them is quite good because mm-hmm. it shows that you know, obviously, they're um, part of the wider universe. Yeah, and you know, I can't imagine if it's going to be shit that they're going to sign up for a TV show. But yeah. also, you got to think, what's the budget for these shows going to be? Because You've seen with like Legion and um, uh, Agents of Shield, especially well, first few series anyway. Like the budget isn't huge, so the effects can be quite poor. I don't know. I just feel like if you're going from the budget, the um, production values of like Endgame with you know Vision and all of that, and then to a TV show where the budget's maybe like a few hundred grand an episode or something, <laughs> it's just going to be a huge disparity. I don't know. Have you got any thoughts on that? Yeah, um, I think I agree with you that like if they haven't got the budget for it, then the shows will just look shit. Because you like so, for example, like uh, there was an episode of Black Lightning where like they did some stunts, and like the stunts were so bad, and like the special effects were so bad that it like literally took me out of the show. Yeah. <laughs> And, like, I wouldn't want that to be, to especially happen with, like, a Marvel property, because I kind of put these up on, like, a pedestal sort of thing. So, and obviously you're, you're used to seeing, like, the um, the films, and obviously they're well executed, like, because they've got all the money in the world. And if it then came down to the TV shows and, like, the quality is less, then you kind of be like, what was the point of this? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think 
I think they probably need to, because I think personally some of the best TV currently comes from either Netflix or HBO, and both of those have pretty large budgets and attract really big talent. So they probably need to have a few key um, TV shows where they are spending maybe like uh, $50 million a series or, you know. I think, sorry, I think I read that the Mandalorian, I'm trying to Google it now, that the Mandalorian uh, series is going to be super expensive. I'm trying to find out what the budget is. One second. Yeah, because you think like Star Wars relies a lot on visual effects and because yeah. a lot of their their settings are like otherworldly so yeah you don't want like really cheap cgi exactly. um, and also like amazon is reportedly spending like a billion dollars on their um uh, lord of the rings show then again you know people need to catch up um okay so the ma- sorry yeah i agree, completely agree with you the mandalorian has been budgeted around $100 million for 10 episodes. So what's that, 10 million per episode? That's basically like Game of Thrones, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'm expecting yeah. big, big things from that. Yeah, and is that, is that the John Favreau one? Yeah, it is, yeah. Yeah, so you know, I've got reasonably high hopes for that. Um, That's the one I'm most looking forward to, to be honest, out of everything I've heard about so far. Well, do you want to segue into the uh, Star Wars trailer? Let's. So this is... The trailer for Star Wars 9, which is J.J. Abrams' return to the franchise. Um, Can I ask you a quick question? Glenn, sorry. Yeah, sure. So, obviously, J.J. Abrams did the seventh one. Yeah. Was he Was he just, like, why did he not do the eighth one? Was there some sort of dispute or something? No, no, no. So, he was going to do the seventh. Ryan Johnson did the eighth. And then someone called Colin Trevorrow was going to do the ninth. Um, and he did Jurassic World. Um but then his, uh, the film he did in between um, was like a low budget kind of drama called um, something like The Book of Henry or something like that. Okay. And it was mauled by critics. Um, and very soon after that, he was replaced by J.J. Abrams. Ouch. Um, and I think it also has something to do with the fact that uh, the eighth Star Wars film didn't really do that well critically. Um, yeah. I think, you know, you could tell that J.J. Abrams had set something up in seven and then Ryan Johnson just seemed to rep on the whole thing in eight. Um, yeah, it kind but, of seems like he's retconning it all back now, though. Well, exactly, yeah. <laughs> Which, again, seems kind of stupid because, you know, like, the, the char- main characters like Ray and Finn and all that spend most of the eighth film apart. And yeah. to be fair, Finn doesn't really have that much to do. Um, so I think I think maybe they were sort of like, shit, maybe we need to uh, to get this back on track a bit. Yeah. Um, and I think maybe a smart move, but I think they probably should just let J.J. Abrams do the whole trilogy. Because um, if they didn't, ha- you know, apparently Ryan Johnson was allowed to do whatever he wanted. He had like carte blanche with the story. Mm. But what's the point of having J.J. Abrams set up one bit, Ryan Johnson do whatever he wants, number two, and then, you know, potentially having Colin Trevorrow do, again, whatever he wants, number nine. You need to have a, a through story. Um, yeah, it doesn't seem like a very smart plan, to be honest. No, because they killed off Snoke in episode eight, and he was, I thought, going to be the main villain for, for the whole trilogy because, you know, with the previous trilogies, you've had, like, Emperor Palpatine or Darth Vader or there's been like a throughout the whole trilogy a, a constant 
Um, yeah. And I don't really feel like, apart maybe Carlo Ren, but he seems to be oscillating between being potentially good, potentially bad. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think maybe they fucked up a bit on number eight. Imagine yeah. this though, like number eight, obviously, I, I quite enjoyed it, but obviously the majority of people say that they don't like it and it's crap. Still made $1.3 billion. <laughs> I know, I know. But it, that's the thing. It's like you, you're guaranteed to with these films to, you know, you could probably bank on at least eight hundred because if you think like Suicide Squad made seven fifty, um, yeah. Justice League seven fifty eight hundred, um, even though that was arguably a, a financial failure because of how much the film cost to make. But great, great film though. Mm, but um, <laughs> you can rely, you know, they can rely on at least probably making their um budget and maybe some marketing costs back so yeah. it's not that much of a financial risk for them and seeing as number nine is as they've said in the trailer the end of this skywalker saga mm-hmm. again it's going to attract an audience who are like okay i just want to you know completionists yeah. um but yeah so back to the trailer um yeah. it features ray um with lightsaber she does a backflip onto i think it's a tie fighter um, then you've got Kylo Ren seems to be fighting in the woods again which is very which is a bit of a callback to the seventh film it yeah. seems. Um, you see clips of Finn uh, you see Princess Leia is the voiceover Luke? I think it is Luke yeah because he dies in eight he did <laughs> die disappears in eight and I'm curious because he says something along the lines of like um, like we will always be with you or something like that and I'm thinking like is he going to they're gonna bring him back now, or like, what's what's going on? I know. And, it, and even the, the the captions is like every generation has a legend. I'm thinking like, who are they who are they talking about? <laughs> yeah. Well, True. it seems heavily hinted that Ray is who they're talking about. Um, Wouldn't that be super super obvious though? Well, yeah, and also I think a bit disappointing because um, yeah. the so they revealed the title was Rise of Skywalker, mm. which I think is a really shit title. Yeah, it's not. It's um, not a good title. I I don't know. I just. Also, because ever since number seven, there's always been like questions over Ray's lineage, um, yeah. and people just assumed that she was a Skywalker. And then number eight seemed to toy with it because she mm. goes into that cave bit, and it's like, oh, no one knows who your parents are. So yeah. that seemed to kind of quash any kind of suggestion that she was a Skywalker. And now this is kind of flipping that again. And I think the title, maybe they are misdirecting us, but. I don't know. I think if it was called like The Last Skywalker or something like that, because Rise of the Skywalker just makes you think. I don't know. Considering this is supposedly the last film in the quote unquote Skywalker saga, why why are you having a rise? Because that surely suggests that, you know, there's going to be more Skywalkers, which would then suggest would you not want to see more films about Rey and Finn? Well, I'm. Well, oh no, yeah, never mind. I was going to say, what's Kylo Ren's real name? It's not Skywalker, is it? It's Solo, you know? Yeah, Solo. Yeah, damn, I thought he might have been Skywalker. Well, isn't Leia his mother, so he's yeah. half Skywalker. Yeah. Which actually, to be fair, could be the rise of him then. But Maybe. I don't know, it just seems... I quite like Kylo Ren as a bad guy, to be honest. Yeah. I like, I, his, I like his struggle between being bad and being good. Yeah, and I, I don't know, I, just, I don't really like the title. I just think they're making it maybe too obvious that it's Rey and... I don't, I don't know. I feel like they, they just this trilogy seems a bit muddled about what it's trying to do and say. Yeah, um, I agree with that. 
I think there is a bit of um, maybe it's maybe the whole um, the title is like obviously people are like wondering why it's called that. I think maybe that was the purpose of it because I think it would be I would like to give the directors and writers more credit than making it that obvious that it would be like Ray or someone like that. So I'm hoping there's some like underlying meaning to it. There are people who are speculating that maybe um, I like. Correct me here if I'm completely wrong, but because I literally know like nothing about Star Wars, but so you've got like the Jedi's and the Sith, and the people saying that maybe they think that like Skywalker is like another of them, if that makes sense. Really? Yeah, I don't know if how if that makes any plausible sense whatsoever. Because again, I've only seen like three of the films, so. Um, I mean, I don't really know. I think my understanding is that Jedi are like a a. a kind of group of knights or you know kind of it's a specific group of people and they are um characterized by like having the force or i, I mean i don't know too much about it but there's like a specific thing like you are a jedi you either are or you are not yeah um, and like luke was a jedi um pretty sure anakin was a jedi yeah and, and then sith is like a again like a breed of villain really um yeah so again like I, I don't know maybe skywalker is an amalgamation of the two but i don't know i just kind of thought skywalker was a surname <laughs> yeah that's to most that's how i took it but this is what people were saying so and i assume they know more than me so maybe there was some i thought maybe there was some um smoke to the fire or fire to the maybe, smoke. i mean maybe i mean again i'm not a i'm not a star wars aficionado like i've seen yeah. them but I mean, I don't have the best recall of it. Did you get excited about the um, people? A lot of people were excited about the laugh at the end. Palpatine. I don't even know who Palpatine is, but people are really excited about it. So he's a bad yeah. guy from from old, okay. from, from yonder. Um, no, it doesn't. Lando, really. Lando Calrissian as well. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I like the Star Wars films, um, but I'm not such a fanboy that you know, seeing old characters or whatever, I'm like, yeah. Um, yeah, I, hear you. So, I mean, obviously, I will watch it. Um, but so, what you did, you didn't weren't feeling the trailer or no? Not really, no. Okay. But again, I don't have that nostalgia. Um, I think maybe because the first Star Wars films I saw were uh, Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones, and they are arguably two of the most derived, you know. Um, hated on <laughs> of the yeah. films if, if maybe we'd grown up with the original trilogy um i might feel a bit differently yeah but yeah i was never kind of i only really watched the the mall again because the seventh film was coming out it wasn't because i was like massively keen to see them mm-hmm. um and i think my favorite is probably rogue one so. okay i feel like i need to watch rogue one again i think i fell asleep oh my god it's so good it, I think I remember liking it, but I think there was a large chunk of it that I missed because when I fell asleep, Force Whitaker was alive. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. To be fair, I rewatched Black Panther yesterday, and he doesn't survive in many films, does he? No, he doesn't, does he? <laughs> <laughs> I love Black Panther. Oh god. Yeah. Was I was so I was just thinking about. Um, sorry, got off a tangent here, but like um, Endgame, not Endgame. Sorry. Well, I was thinking about Endgame, but Infinity War, like when everyone's like dusting out. Yeah, and um, like right, like right at the start of the people dying, when um, 
Black Panther says to Okoye, like, this is no place to die. And then he dies. I was like, oh, God, that, that, that hit me. Hit me right in the heart, man. Oh, God. <laughs> the yeah. thing is, is um, obviously, Black Panther was the first, the, the film just before Infinity War. Yeah. But then, like, right at the end of Infi- uh, Black Panther, he's saying, like, I'm opening up Wakanda to the rest of the world sort of thing. Um, which, for me, is really interesting as, like, a plot point, considering this is a nation that has kept itself secret and I guess there's obvious kind of parallels of real world in terms mm-hmm. of like they don't want to be colonized and then there's an argument of you know with Killmonger saying well we should go out and colonize these people before we become colonized um, mm-hmm. I think they're really interesting like socio-political kind of questions um, yeah. and in fact Killmonger does sort of win even though he dies, because his idea to open up the world, him and um, uh, uh, Wakabi, um, you know, that's in the end, T'Challa decides to do that. Um, yeah. Not to the extent that, that he, uh, that, that Killmonger wanted, but um, yeah, I just think like that, obviously, Infinity War and Black Panther were um, made kind of probably at the same time. So we haven't had a chance to explore how Wakanda has has kind of reached out to these other countries, but I really want to see that explored more. Um, yeah, me too. Because uh, unless Infinity War happens literally straight after Black Panther, or at the same time, um, surely there would have been some outreach work done between yeah. them. Um, yeah, I just kind of want to see that, and I hope Black Panther 2 explores that. Because um, I find that a really interesting sort of political, geopolitical kind of storyline, um, mm. and it still does annoy me that Killmonger died because he was such a good villain. Me too, but um, I was going to say I think for one, I feel like we'll get him back at some point, maybe in like a Black Panther three, maybe I don't know how or why, but maybe. And I was going to say that um, oh, I've got a few things to say actually, but I need to remember to remember it. But so the first thing was that. Um, I would agree with you what you said about um, Black Panther and I'd be surprised if they didn't explore that in the second film. I always also think that I would be surprised if there wasn't a part, at least a part, a plot point of the film where the people of Wakanda are like, you opened us up to the world and look what happened sort of thing. Like half of us got, you know, <laughs> evaporated or whatever. I feel like yeah. that would be some sort of, you know, and the people would be questioning T'Challa's leadership a bit more. Yeah. Um, second thing was I feel like obviously we, we've got in a um, going back to Disney Plus, we've got the uh, you know the vision and wonder and all that other shit. Um, I'm surprised we haven't got like there hasn't been any like talk of any like Black Black Panther spin-offs. Yeah, I was thinking because obviously um, they talk about they have spies in every major city in the world, mm. and um, of those, there were three specific spies that agreed with Killmonger's plan that they said and that was london new york and tokyo uh, yeah. no not tokyo hong kong sorry um so I get, yeah i'd quite like to see a tv series about those spies because obviously it could be like espionage it could be sort of political drama um yeah i think that could definitely be a, a tv series to explore yeah. and yeah same um i would like that i would also like a thing about Maybe about the Dora Milaje to see like what they get up to in their spare time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> wouldn't, wouldn't mind that because obviously just, they're all like 
Go on, yeah, sorry. I was just going to say, or even just exploring more of the tribes, because you've got what, the li- yeah. river tribe, the border tribe. Um, we don't know what happened to Wakabi. Like, is he, oh, yeah, true. Yeah. Was he killed, imprisoned, or what? Um, yeah, yeah. It's just, there's a lot of scope there, and we barely saw any of Wakanda in Black Panther. You know, obviously, yeah. technologically advanced city. I don't know, just how do they live? Yeah, all that sort of thing. Mm. Um, last thing that I was going to say about Disney Plus, hopefully last time we mentioned it this podcast, but so like, obviously there's a, we know there's a Loki series coming with Tom Hiddleston in it, and mm. like he, he legitly died in Infinity War, he wasn't, he wasn't evaporated or anything, he literally just got killed so I really 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 hope that he doesn't somehow make it out of Endgame Alive again Yeah, that would be such a cop out and I think the same with Gamora, because Again, yeah. she died before the snap, so yeah. her coming back would be again just a bit. You know, you, like you've said a few times, people need to stay dead now. Um, yeah, a few of them. Um, but going so back to Killmonger, um, when he takes the spear out of his stomach, you don't you see him fall down, but it doesn't necessarily mean he's dead. Exactly. I mean, I, I think Shuri could pretty much stitching back together um, and he's such an important villain in the comics that considering he uh, on the second rewatch he doesn't actually have that much screen time um because claw is sort of the main villain for the first half of it at least yeah. and then yeah. and it's not until killmonger throws claw's body uh presents it to wakabi and then challenges for the throne but that only happens with about 40 minutes left. So he doesn't actually have a huge amount to do. So I feel like he could be explored a lot more. I agree. Yeah. Mm. Um, any more film news at all? Um, I feel like something... Oh, we got the, we got a Lion King trailer. Did you watch it? Yeah. I mean, it seemed pretty much shot for shot. Pretty standard. People... <laughs> so... There are people who are quite annoyed that they've whitewashed Scar. <laughs> <laughs> you included. Do you know what? I'm not annoyed. It's just something that I noticed. Because I've seen the film, like Scar is a is a darker-skinned lion. I'm not sure if you actually get dark-skinned lions in real life. I'm, I really don't know. But yeah, I feel like it's something, if you wanted to stick true to, you know, like the original, then that's something you could have literally just CGI'd, made, made him darker with a dark mane. I feel like yeah. that's not hard. But yeah. there's another point of it where um, people talked about that as like a one of examples of how like much we get like colorism in um, in TV and film. So like basically like, the dark skin lion is the evil one, you know, and the light skin one's like the savior. Da, 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 da. Yeah. So maybe they would maybe they were thinking we don't want any controversy here. We'll just make them both the same shade, you know, that sort of thing. But I enjoyed the trailer. It took me back to 1994 whenever it come out so yeah i'm happy and i can't wait for it to come out uh, part of me just thinks like if this is just going to be pretty much a shot for shot remake of the 94 one then what is the point the point is it's glorious going and beyonce <laughs> and beyonce okay true but i don't know i just feel like you know the art the, the it's not even that old but the original is so well revered that yeah. I don't know. Arguably, do you need the exact same? I don't know. Probably not, but you know, 
I'll take well, it's going to yeah. make a shit ton of money anyway. Yeah, so. I really hope so. <laughs> Do you think that it's going to be quite musical? Because the yeah. animation, the animated one was. Um, but yeah, whereas but... when they did the Jungle Book remake, they had little touches of the songs, but it wasn't yeah. full on, you know, necessity. I think I remember reading, well, at the end of the, the live action trailer, there is a little hint of a song. I can't remember which song it is, but there is a little hint of a song. Mm-hmm. I think it's Timon and Pumbaa. Yeah. And um, I think I read that they're going to do at least four four songs from the from the first lock in. So I think it will be quite musical. And to be honest, having Beyonce in your film would be really pointless if she wasn't singing. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I mean, they've got to have Circle of Life, haven't they? Definitely. Um, yeah. Although, who does Beyonce voice? Is it Nala? I think it's Nala, yeah. Does she? Does Nala sing in the animated film? I, I don't know. She sings um, Can You Feel the Love Tonight. Oh, okay. Fair enough. Yeah, we've seen so oh, maybe we'll... that. Who's playing Thunder? Is it Alston, um, Charles Gambino? Oh yeah, so two singers. Yeah, that makes sense. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be a, a massive year for Disney because you know Infinity. How much uh, money do you think they're going to make? <sighs> horrendous amounts. Like, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if Endgame made more than Infinity War, and Infinity War made over two billion. So, you're probably saying, mate. Sorry. No, go on. I was gonna. I was gonna say I heard that. Um, so, because Ollie was talking about um, in the group chat, Ollie was talking about how much we think um, Endgame is gonna make. So I did like a little Google, and basically they think it's on track to make in its in, domestically in its opening weekend. They think it's on track to make between 220 and 270 million dollars, and that internationally. It's on track to make between seven hundred and eight hundred million in the first weekend. Oh my god! <laughs> so it could break a billion in <laughs> one weekend. Literally. And I think this film again is going to have lots of rewatch value because I remember being in the cinema uh, in first time watching Infinity War, and everyone was silent. Like everyone was like shook. And I knew as soon as I seen it, I was like, I need to rewatch this because I've definitely missed something, yeah. you know, because the first time you watch it, you, you try and get the main points of the plot. Second time you watch it, you know what's going to happen. So you try and look for different things. Um, so this is going to have huge rewatch value. And yeah, yeah, I reckon two and a half billion. I think minimum, yeah. Minimum two and a half. I've read to be Avatar. I just want something to be Avatar. Yeah, well, I think Avatar made like two point seven. Do you do you reckon this could be the first film to break three? I mean, if any film's got a chance, it's this one. Because I'm going to watch it, and then I want to watch it in three D. Um, <laughs> you know, so they're already getting a fair amount of money from me. Um, mm. But yeah, and then obviously then they've got. Lion King, that's definitely going to make a billion. Um, Aladdin, maybe not, but it's still going to make a few hundred mil. Um, yeah. Star Wars is going to make at least the one and a half billion. Um, and I mean, I don't know. I don't know how the finance works in terms of Dark Phoenix and that, because now they're technically owned by Disney. But 
yeah. I think that'll still be Fox. Fox thing. And then Spider-Man: Far From Home is probably going to make seven hundred million or something. So. Oh yeah, I thought about that after film. They're probably going to make at least five or six billion this year. <laughs> yeah. At least. <laughs> it's going to be disgusting. They're literally just so far ahead of anyone else. Um, they really are. Makes me sick. <laughs> Does it? Do you it not? Does a little bit. Mm, fair enough. I want, um, I want to share that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but. Well, we could stay on the uh, theme of superheroes, which we tend to do anyway. Um, I saw Shazam, so I guess we can talk about it in more detail than you did. You and Chris did last time, because I think yeah. there was a few points that you were kind of being vague around. Um, one of which I presume was the fact that there are more than one Shazam. Yeah. Um, I don't know if they are all called Shazam, um, or if they are called different things, but... Um, yeah, so I guess there's no point recounting the plot because you did that last time. But um, so, I mean, I, I quite enjoyed it. Um, it was light-hearted. It was in places quite funny. Um, I do think, for me, a lot of the humour didn't land. Um, but maybe that's just my own sort of sense of humour. Um, I feel like there was quite a large reliance on self-referential wordplay in terms of like, oh, you know, this this guy's your supervillain. And, oh, no, you know, I think there was a bit too much time spent on, like, what powers are you going to have? And it's, it kind of felt a bit repetitive. Um, and also, there was quite a lot of references to batman and superman and like oh superman can do this or you know it to me felt a bit sort of like they they were shoehorning in these references to the other dc ones to be like hey we are part of it you know um you know you like this character well you like shazam as well um and i think that was to the detriment to me i think there was an over-reliance on that um but I really liked the family dynamic, um, the the, the uh, foster home. Um, so yeah, Shazam. Um, for me, uh, I did enjoy it, but for me, some of the comedy didn't land. Um, I felt there was uh, a lot of reliance on um, kind of references to Superman and Batman, um, which I appreciated in like the subtlety of. Um, What's the, the the disabled kid's name? Freddy? Freddy. Freddy, yeah. So he was wearing like different t-shirts, was always like Aquaman symbol or Wonder Woman symbol or whatever. Like I appreciated the subtlety of that, but there yeah. was a lot of reference to like um oh Superman does this or oh you know Superman's bullet or hey, Batman toys, blah 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 blah. And for me it kind of felt like they weren't confident enough in Shazam as its own property. Um or maybe I feel like... Sorry, go on. As I say, or maybe they didn't think people would get that it was DC. Um, so they were like just throwing in so many references to that, um, which for me felt a bit like, yeah, like they didn't really have confidence in it. I was going to say, I feel like they kind of did that to just try and lean into the fact that these actually are just like little kids who are, not little kids, but uh, chick kids who are excited. 
And the thing is, the first thing, probably one of the first things you would do if you got superpowers is to see what you can do, and that was, and that would be like a direct link to the superheroes that you know of and what they. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah, true. I appreciate that, but there was still, I think, throughout it, there was just a lot of reliance on that, um, yeah. and a lot of like self-referential sort of, oh. What would you do as a superhero? Which again, like I understand that's what you would do, but I think maybe they should have just kept that to the beginning. Um, Fair enough. Uh, I think Zachary Levi Levy did a good job playing kind of like child man child, um, <laughs> and he's very charismatic and in, and likable. Um, mm. And I, I liked the kind of. The, the hard themes that they explore in terms of like fostering and um, Billy being rejected by his mum um, yeah. twice, essentially. She's trash, man. Yeah, she is. So I, I, there was a lot I liked about it. I thought, again, like the diversity was really, really great. Um, the just the, the dynamics, I thought all of the actors were pretty good. The children as well. Like Dala was just so cute. Yeah. Uh, uh, I don't know how old she's up five or something, but I was like, oh, she, you know, uh, <laughs> adorable. Um, uh, I was surprised by the Shazam family. Um, I did also quite like that. I didn't didn't see that coming. Mm. Um, but yeah, there, there was lots of it I, I did like. Um, I thought, again, like, with the, the kind of the pitfalls of having a, a hero that can fly and is so strong and quick and everything like with Superman, is that the action just tends to end up being people being thrown against buildings. Yeah. Like, it's just, I've seen it so many times with Man of Steel, Batman versus Superman, just, you know, it's just like the same action piece over and over again. Like, mm. two people will float up, will zoom at each other, tussle for a bit, someone will get thrown really far, repeat. And I just find that so boring. Um, so I didn't think the action was that great um the action set pieces um because it just feels like they don't really have many ideas of what they can do um and i think that is the problem with when people fly or when they are just so powerful it's like well what do you actually do how do you make a really convincing fight scene um i do prefer the fight scenes when it's like like maybe hand to hand or like shoot out sort of thing rather than just flinging people everywhere um And I thought the villain was was all right. Um, I I liked the blend of horror within it, you know, like kind of kid friendly horror. Um, I don't think that boardroom scene was very kid friendly. I <laughs> uh, guess you don't really see much detail. I mean, but um, like, someone gets a head bit off. Like if I was a, if I was like a ten year old, I'd be like, ah, I'd be screaming. <laughs> um, yeah, it was it was it was one of the better DCEU if it does fit within that. Um, yeah. uh, I think obviously it sets it up for a sequel. Um, there were some parts of it, and I was like, "This is ridiculous!" Like that caterpillar. Um, uh, apparently, that's like a deep cut into like DC folklore. I think his name's like Mister Mind or something like that. <laughs> I was just like, okay, fucking yeah. capitalist talking. Um, I also thought though, like, so when the original Shazam, um, played by Jimon Hoon's Honsu, there there are seven chairs, but there were only six Shazam family at the end. 
So I'm wondering, yeah. is there a slot for someone else? Is someone else going to become part of their family and thus part of the Shazam? Although he got rid of his staff, so... Mm. Yeah, um, and also, what I was wondering is, um, can Billy and Dala and Pedro and all of that, if they say Shazam, do they then turn into their heroes again? I or... would think so, yes. And um, so that makes me think there's going to be like... I suppose a bit of um, confusion over their names because you know, like they can't really say who they are because they'll just turn in and out of yeah <laughs> hero forms, which I think yeah. is why, like, um, like, like one of the gags in the film was like Freddie calling him, like Captain Sparkle fingers and stuff like that because he yeah. can't call himself Shazam without him turning back into Billy. That's true. But um, I think I do think that now that all their powers are shared, so I think now. I think they're all shared, but they've all got like their own uh, little extra, uh, like special special bits. But, oh, really? Um, yeah, yeah, I think so. I think so. I think um, what did I read? So like, um, I think Dala is a bit faster than everybody. Like a bit more, got a bit more super speed than everybody else. I think um, Pedro is stronger than everybody else, and stuff like that. I suppose only two I can remember, but I think they've all got like their little extra bits and bobs. But I do okay. think they they all do share the power of Shazam now. I believe. Okay, well, I, I quite like that. Um, yeah. But would you not think, though, that if one person had all the power and then six people shared the power, would they not each be less powerful than the sum of its parts? That's what I was thinking, and that's one of the things that I didn't quite like about the film. Although I did like the fact that, you know, he did share the power. I, lo- I do like the aspect of it, because obviously one of the themes of the film is, like, family and that sort of thing, which is great. But I felt like it might have made Shazam a, a little bit less special, and I would have preferred if they did this in a sequel. Yeah, I get that. Because obviously he's... Because I think of it the exact same way. Like, so, okay, so he's... What? I don't know. He's just shared his power out six ways sort of thing, so now he's not as strong as he was before. That's probably not how it works, but logically you'd think that that's how it works. <laughs> well, I mean, that's how it worked with um, Dr. Savannah when each of his seven deadly sins came out of him, he was less powerful. And eventually when all of them were physically kind of deployed, he was just human again. So I feel like it should, you know, because villains tend to mirror uh, their heroes. So, yeah, I would have thought that if Shazam is sharing his power five other ways, that he would be five times weaker or a fifth Mm. or four fifths as or whatever the maths is, you know. Um, yeah, and but that also made me think, like, you know, the end scene when um, Freddy, when when Shazam like meets Freddy at, at lunch, and all the kids are like, "Oh, so yeah. cool." I would. That's why I was wondering whether they can all still turn into Shazam because surely he could have just got like more of them, like um, Mary and Darla and. True. And I, I heard that apparently when it was initially being developed, um, Henry Cavill was going to be Superman at that yeah. scene. Oh, it annoyed me that it wasn't him. I really wanted it to be him. It was oh. sort of like in Titans when they were showing the back of Batman and Bruce Wayne. Yeah, exactly. Because it's like, we haven't cast anyone yet. <laughs> oh, shame. I actually quite like Henry, Henry Cavill as um, Bruce Wayne. Yeah, I just think that character's so tough to do well because, again, like he's so powerful, 
how would you ever really find a villain that matches up with him and how would you do the fight scenes in a decent way without it just being throwing people um against buildings but yeah so i, I quite enjoyed it um it's kind of damning with faint praise but it's one of the better dceu films um so yeah uh there's um Oh, sorry. No, I was just gonna say I would give a sequel a go. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What out of ten? What would you? Sorry. Um, I think I'd give it a seven. Yeah, I think I'd give it a seven. Maybe seven point five. I liked it, but um, I was gonna say, so one of the executive producers on this film is The Rock, and um. They talked in the beginning of the film about they had a champion who then became evil, and that's Black Adam. And I think the, I think the Rock said that they're producing a, a Black Adam film which is going to cross over with this. Oh, okay, interesting. Because he was, uh, announced at the same time as Shazam, so yeah. I I thought he was going to be in this film, um, but I guess maybe the Rock's star power is so big that. He will have his own film. So, do you anticipate that Black Adam film being similar in the sense of he he was chosen as champion and then got the power and then turned evil? So, do you think it'll be like a proper villain film, or do you reckon they'll kind of do it dirty like they've done with a lot of films about villains and make him anti-heroic? Well, it's funny you say that because I was literally looking on the um, on the Wikipedia about Black Adam the other day, and it said that he was historically a villain but more recently become more of an anti-hero figure and yeah i know and it's the rock and i can't just i just can't see the rock being like yeah i'm gonna play this bad guy because the rock's the rock in it he just wants to be the hero i think he yeah, is but that would be good yeah. i like it when actors you know have some yeah. versatility and you know he is tends to be the hero so it'd be good to see him as the villain but you know like they've done with venom like they've done with suicide squad they've kind of made these characters more sympathetic and it's like no that's why i'm hoping that the joker film that's coming out will literally be him being bad <laughs> i feel like we're gonna feel, like this joker film i feel like i'm gonna like it but i think we're just gonna end up, i'm gonna end up feeling sorry for him yeah i don't know i hope i don't feel that way but i feel like that's what they're gonna do i don't know i don't know but yeah i'm looking forward to seeing a black adam film to be fair yeah it'll be good um well it'll be interesting anyway um so the rock is not his usual like self because <laughs> he plays, he does sort of play the same character in every film. Yeah, he does basically. Yeah. He's the Rock, and he's just like you know, wise cracking and all that. I don't know. And then that is the tone of Shazam. So true. Um, talking of uh, new releases and also comic book adaptations. Um, oh, yeah. uh, contender for worst film of the year. Uh, <laughs> In fact, I haven't seen a worse film this year um, so far, although we are only in April. Hellboy. Um, the... So, in the early 2000s, Guillermo del Toro made two films, Hellboy and Hellboy 2, The Golden Army, featuring Ron Perlman. Um, I saw them at the time, and I remember you know, finding them enjoyable entertaining enough um and there was always talks that guillermo del toro wanted to do a trilogy um but the hellboy films didn't really do hugely well financially um Mm. although they were critically you know probably like 
65% or whatever, you know, Rotten Tomatoes sort of score. So it weren't terrible. Um, but then there was talks of him making a third film and then the studio decided to scrap that and to make the film kind of more true to the comic, which was quite violent and bloody and gory and sweary. Um, so they thought it'd be a good opportunity to make an R-rated reboot rather than the PG-13 uh, films that Guillermo del Toro made. So they recast Ron Perlman with David Harbour, who is the uh, police officer from Stranger Things. Um, they got Neil Marshall to direct it, who's done a couple of Game of Thrones episodes, including the Battle Good of Good ones Black as well. Yeah. yeah, he did The Descent. He's done God, uh, Dog Soldiers. So he's, he's got a background in horror. Um, and that, yeah, they've made it very gory, very violent, very sweary, um, and utter shite. So this film, for me, is tonally all over the place, right? So it starts off um, kind of with Ian McShane, who plays uh, Hellboy's quote-unquote father, um, giving a voiceover saying, oh, this all started in the Dark Ages, and they're very fucking dark ages because of xyz so that they, they this film is imbued with a lot of humor or what they think is humor um again trying to be like well this is what i was i don't understand so there's a lot of violence in it there's a lot of dark themes um you know it's about this ancient blood queen who He's trying to take over the world and infect it with plague and stuff. But then I also sort of was watching it and thinking, is this film parodying itself? Yeah. Because, you know, obviously you've got like the opening line, it's like, oh, the really fucking dark ages. It's like, haha, we know that, you know. I don't know, they're trying to do humour there. Then um, when he's given the, the, the recount of how the Blood Queen came about, he was saying... She was defeated by King Arthur. And then in the voiceover, he goes, yeah, really? So it's like they know that that's ridiculous. And they're, yeah. made, they're pointing it out. But yeah. but that that's pretty much it. And it's it wasn't funny. It's just sort of like, yeah, this film is ridiculous. You're using King Arthur as, as a plot point to, you know, which they fucking did in Transformers. And that was terrible as well. Um, Why is King Arthur the source of so many... I don't know. And then there's a point like towards the end of the film where um, it, they, they establish that Hellboy is, is a descendant of King Arthur. And yeah. so he has to pull Excalibur from the stone. Yeah. And they're like, and then they get Merlin, like, rise him from the dead. And I was like, what? I was like, is this like, I just don't get it because surely you would have seen that this plot point failed in Transformers, failed in the King Arthur film that guy Ritchie made like yeah. king arthur is not a plot point that everyone is like yes and they even make a point in the film of saying like oh yeah king arthur is literally the plot point for so many films and everything and i'm like well why are you using it then it's basically they're pointing out the flaws within the film and i think they're trying to i think they do that to sort of beat the audience to it and therefore to make it self-referential or parody or whatever but because they're not doing anything different with it they're just pointing out its flaws it's still terrible do you know what I mean like I don't know 
for me it just really didn't work and um i thought david harbour's portrayal of hellboy was just like not very sympathetic not very likable um none of the characters was- were um and but he's got some side characters one called ben damio um who can turn into a leopard and then this like Sia, she can like talk to the dead well she was she- terrible to be fair oh did you see the film yeah i've seen it yeah oh, okay yeah, so she wasn't... Like, her accent was terrible. She's American. Yeah. She's putting on a British accent. Terrible. Oh, okay. That explains a lot. <laughs> but, like, was, yeah. just fucking make her American. Because she clearly can't do a British accent very well. Yeah. Um, like, Mila Jovich, she's just, like, chewing the scenery as, as the villain. Like, I don't know. It's just... I feel like this film, they, they were, like... They must have done a first draft of the script. And they were probably like, this film's going to suck. So we're not going to get a sequel. So let's put everything we want to do yeah. in two or three films into this one film. Like, it was yeah. just so much was going on all the time. Like, introducing the, the weird witch person who lives in a house on some turkey legs. And, yeah, Abayago, whatever it's called. Yeah, and uh, then, you know, the whole subplot with, with Merlin. And then you've got the... Yeah, the seer who can talk to dead people. She's got a backstory. You've got Ben Damio who's got some sort of backstory. You've got, like, all the secret organisations that deal with giants. And I was just like, there was probably three films worth of plot in this. And Funny everything... enough, actually. Sorry, I was going to interrupt you really quickly. Um, I was actually watching a review and who... they basically So someone who um, is quite well-versed in the uh, Hellboy comics and he basically said that they shoved three different, like, comic book stories into this film. Oh, really? Yeah. Ah, okay. I mean, for me, that suggests either they didn't have enough plot in one of the stories, um, or maybe two, to make a decent film, or they just weren't confident they're going to get a sequel. So if you throw yeah. all the shit at the wall, some of it's going to stick. And to be fair, barely any of it for me did. Um, yeah. And then you've also got the fact that after the big battle between that fucking pig thing, um, yeah. which again was stupid, a fucking scouse pig thing, like ridiculous. <laughs> he was like, <laughs> he's like, all right, mate, fucking hell, It's just like again for me, that's it's it's funny in the fact that it's ridiculous. Oh, it's so surely, dumb. surely they realised this, and also I feel like you're going to alienate such a huge market of people because they're just not going to know what this guy's saying. Like, yeah. I feel like the Scouse accent is a very British thing, right? Yeah. And I can't imagine Americans understanding much of what he's going to say or, or well, any audience the domestically. Video, the video that I watched, I actually thought he was Scottish. So yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, exactly. <laughs> like, for me, this felt like it was playing too much to a British audience, which, again, is not mm. going to make you a lot of money. Um mm. So that that pig thing was ridiculous. It was very um, dumb. And yeah, the final battle was just shit. And then not only does it just end, but then it goes, it kind of has its post credit scene before the credits. It yeah. goes six months later, and then they're already in another battle. And yeah. fine. There is a post credit scene, though. I don't know if you stayed that long. No, I didn't, actually. Yeah. What was it? It was, um, uh, so uh, Hellboy is at his dad's grave and he's like super drunk 
and then he gets a visit from the ghost of um, one of them. You know his dad's team, all them lot. He one of the one of the the ghosts of that that team comes yeah. and basically tells him to sort his shit out or whatever. And then Hellboy's just like fanboying over him because he's like basically like a celebrity in that that field. And yeah, I think there's another post credit scene after that, but I didn't say that long. Oh my god! But the, yeah, the whole six months later, then they find the Aqua, whatever the Merman or whatever. Because um, mm. I think that's what happens in the second film of Guillermo del Toro's that they find this weird Aqua person. But again, it's like they were just sort of like they probably thought the audience weren't going to stay after the credits, so they're like put the post credit scene before the credits. Yeah. Um, and again, like I've said previously. It felt too British. You got two characters from EastEnders in it, um, yeah. like Little Mo and then um, Little Mo, Zainab's husband. Oh yeah, yeah Masood. <laughs> yeah. So again, like I was watching that, I was like, I know who these people are, but an international audience are not. And so I laughed when Little Mo was like shooting the machine gun, but no one else is gonna have a clue. That scene made absolutely no sense as well, by the way. Oh, I, think just, they, I think they, I think they cut a lot out of it. None of it made any fucking sense. It was just shit. It was. Fucking terrible, and I told you not to watch it. <laughs> and what? So, what did you? What did you think of it? You haven't okay. said. Well, yeah, um, I did get fair warning from you that this film was terrible, and I just wanted to see it for myself because you know I watch a lot of sort of films in it, so I like to form my own opinions. And I will tell, I will say that it's not good, obviously, but it's not as bad as I thought it was based on your what you said. So when oh, you really? when you yeah, so I thought it was literally going to... So, like, if I had to compare thinking, like, what's, like, super, like, terribly shit, I would think that it was that last Transformers film from, like, 2017. That's my bar for, like, awful. Yeah, for me, this was on par. Okay, for me, it's... Yeah, it's maybe, like, a half a percent better than that film, I would say. What, what makes it that little bit better for you? I was vaguely entertained, I guess. Whereas Transformers, I wasn't in the story at all, and it was just. To be honest, they're both they're both shit. Like, I'm I'm not gonna lie, like they're both they're both crap films. But yeah, this one at least, I thought the comparing like I thought the editing in Transformers was completely like made the story so confusing and just like not like watchable. Basically, I didn't quite feel the same with this. Although I, with this one, I do feel like they have cut a lot of stuff out because I think I read initially that this, it was going to be two and a half hours, and then when I got to cinema and found out it was only two hours, I was like, "Oh, okay." But obviously, that's mm. better for me because I wouldn't want to watch, you know, two and a half hours of that. But yeah, yeah I just feel like they they did cut out a lot of stuff. I did hear that there was a, um, a lot of creative differences between the director and the producers, or something like that. So that might be one of the reasons why this film's terrible. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's not good. Um, I didn't think... I thought that um, David Harbour was alright as Hellboy. And I kind of semi-found it interesting like when he was talking about... Um, oh, what he, say? he said something about... Um, something about if humans would stop um, trying to destroy monsters, then maybe monsters would stop trying to destroy humans. Something like that. And I was like, okay, that's an interesting plot point, but they literally never come back to it at any point in the film. Yeah. Um, they're just throwing so much at it, like the Nazi bit of it. Like, yeah. where the fuck did yeah. that come from? Also, fun... go, oh, on. go on. No, no. I was, well, I was going to say with the Nazi bit, so obviously Nazis was what, 1940s? Yeah. Um, but then 
Uh, I'm sure when they were talking about Hellboy's like backstory, they said he was born in like the 1500s. And then, but then when he came out of that little hole thing, he was like tiny. So what was he just like bare small for like 400 years? Yeah, I'm not really sure. I don't know. But anyway, like not really matters. But I did. I don't know if you felt the same way. But when I was watching it, I was kind of thinking like, is this a sequel? Because it kind of feels like a sequel. It kind of feels like they're telling me stuff that I should already know. Kind of like even yeah, the whole I... thing with uh, with um his his mate, the the CEO, or whatever she is. I was thinking, like, what, did they do with this in a previous film or something? Because I watched the first Hellboy, like, ages ago. I can't really remember what happened in it, to be honest with you. Never watched the second. So I'm thinking, like, oh, maybe this is, like, a, you know, like, kind of, like, a loose sequel sort of thing rather than a reboot. But then I read a thing on Google saying, yes, definitely a reboot. And I was thinking it doesn't really feel like one. Yeah, I think they, they did cut out a lot of, sort of, the explanation. Um, mm. Because, again, like, I'm pretty sure in the first Hellboy the Guillermo del Toro one, they explain why one of his hands is, like, different. Um, And again, I was kind of hoping they would do that because I couldn't remember. And I was like, you know, why is he the devil spawn? And why... But why is he not evil? You know, I don't know. And then there's that whole, like, vampire subplot. There was just so many subplots. And And he's, like, half human or something. Yeah. So a lot of this film is exposition, but doesn't really explain anything... And it just adds more confusion because they, there's so many like subplots and backstories or backstories that are omitted and you're like characters introduced and then just dismissed or die off straight away like that that yeah. woman, that other seer. Um, I thought she'd be a bit more of a bigger part of it. Yeah. Terrible. So, yeah, I, I do think it's, um, it's quite anticlimactic as well, I think, because um, obviously you get the fight between Hellboy and the Pigman and the, and the Leopard or whatever it is. And he doesn't really fight the... Obviously, he, he chops off, chops the head off. But, like, it kind of just happens. And then the film's over, basically over. And I was like, oh, okay. And now, like, before that, with all, like, the... um, Basically, like, the apocalypse happening. Um, one thing about this film as well, actually, I think it's too much, like, blood and stuff. Um, obviously, I get it that, like, they wanted to... Obviously, they were rated R or 15 or whatever. So they wanted to kind of, like, just, you know, do as much as they could. But mm. I just feel like it was a bit much. And I didn't really appreciate it. And obviously, I'm not really like a, you know, blood, horror and guts kind of person. So, yeah, I didn't really like watching all of that stuff. Um, yeah, because it was just like people like literally like getting ripped apart and people getting spikes through their heads and stuff like that. And I was just like, what? Like, yeah, yeah it, it was glorified. And again, yeah. I think the reason they did that was because it was like to try and make it so different from the other one. It's like, hey, look what we're doing different to the other one. So they're just going to go overboard with it. And again, yeah. I was like, nah, it doesn't, for me, it doesn't, doesn't work. Um, I think, like, yeah. when they did Logan as R-rated, that was a bit more kind of, you know, they had bloody violence in it and swearing, but it wasn't, for me, it didn't feel like they were just doing it for the sake of it, whereas yeah, exactly. here, it felt like they were. It was like, okay, we've got this rating, let's just do everything, like, everyone's going to get torn into pieces, and so you don't necessarily need that. Um, yeah. Yeah. With that, I kind of felt like they tried to... I feel like they kind of tried to Deadpool this film, especially with, like, the self-referential stuff and, like, all, like, the blood and stuff like that. Obviously, it kind of, like, fails miserably. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, also, um, So I watched Pet Cemetery afterwards, um, yeah. which I'll talk about in a sec. But before that film, there was a trailer for Hellboy, um, and I hadn't seen the trailer beforehand. Um mm 
well not all of it anyway and the trailer showed every single key part of the film it showed hellboy riding that dragon thing with mm. his head flaming it showed um ben damio turning into a leopard it showed the seer girl punching the soul out of someone both of which are like arguably twists or kind of things you don't really see coming um unless maybe you're au fait with the comics um yeah. it showed like a lot of the kind of horror element like you know that weird thing that destroys the t- uh tower bridge so it just yeah. showed everything i was like okay well i wish i'd seen the trailer beforehand i wouldn't have needed to see the film um <laughs> also there's no closure in terms of is that bridge completely destroyed now like millions of people must have died from this plague and it just ends with them in st paul's like hey, we want like did you <laughs> what's the fallout of all of this um so yeah really really hated it um and if there's a sequel i would probably wait for you to watch it and then <laughs> tell me if it's yeah. worth seeing um but if i may i will talk about pet cemetery um yes. so pet cemetery is a horror film that builds on the popularity of Stephen King's It, which they remade two years ago. Um, and this is, itself is a remake of an 80s film, which was based on a book by Stephen King. Um, so it revolves around uh, a family who moved to a new town in Maine, I think it is, in uh, the north east of America. Um, and uh, part of their property is a pet cemetery um, so where the local town folk will bury their deceased pets um, and they do it in a ritualized way where they wear like weird animal masks um, and yeah it just seems a bit like creepy and then um, they have a neighbor so there's a father mother a maybe like nine-year-old daughter and then like a three-year-old son uh and they've got a neighbor who's this kind of widowed or widowered uh older man played by john lithgow and one day the um the family's pet cat gets run over and uh john lithgow's character i can't remember his name um judd i think his name was judd he says oh there's a uh, because the daughter he, he becomes fond of their daughter Ellie, um, not in a creepy way. Well, I think maybe there might be some suggestion of that, but it just seems like granddad sort of granddaughter vibes. Um, and he says, you know, to keep her happy, um, let's bury the cat in this patch of soil slightly away from the pet cemetery. Um, so they bury the cat there, and the next day the cat comes back and is alive. And uh, Obviously, the, the father's like, what the fuck? And the uh, judge's just like, yeah, just go with it. You know, Ellie's happy now, the cat's back. But the cat doesn't come back the same. So it becomes a bit more violent, a bit more aggressive, um, starts scratching them and uh, just being a bit more of a menace. Um, and I mean, are you going to see this film or can I go no. into... Okay. <laughs> no. So I'll go into yeah. heavy spoilers. Um, yeah. But it's Ellie's ninth birthday party and um so at this point the cat has been basically reanimated 
Um, but the father has kind of driven far away and basically got rid of the cat again, um, just so it stops kind of hurting people. Um, but at the girl's ninth birthday party, she spots it in the middle of the road. Um, so she runs after it and gets hit by a truck um, and dies. And then so obviously the father's, well, the whole family's distraught. So he buries his daughter in the same patch of soil that the cat was buried in. And uh, his daughter comes back. Um, Why did he do that? Because he, he said he wasn't ready for her to die. Um, and he thought because she wasn't dead as long as the cat was when they buried it that she wouldn't come back as evil. Um, but she does. And Wait, wait, wait. Just... So, okay, so he buried her in the hope that she would come back? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Sorry, Karen. Because he knew the cat came back, so he was like, oh, she'll come back as well. Um, right. But then she comes back, and again, she's a bit more evil than... Well, she wasn't evil before, but she comes back evil. Um, then proceeds to kind of kill Judd. Um, she then... Her mother's like... So the father's like, oh, say, you know, your daughter's back to, to his wife. And she's like, this ain't my fucking daughter. Um, mm. And and because of that, uh, Ellie's like, okay, well, you're going to die. So oh, kills her mother um, and then <laughs> proceeds to bury her mother in the patch of soil. So the mother comes back as like a reanimated person. Um, and then uh, then they kill the father and then bury him. And he comes back, and the the scene ends with them, all three of them, and the cat um, coming after their little son, who's like three years old, and then it ends, um, which actually I thought was a really good twist because I didn't see that coming at all. Um, I kind of wondered how they would uh, end the film because if if the daughter's like reanimated and evil, I was thinking, well, it's going to be quite a tough. I mean, it's tough to have children die in any film, but yeah. for them to die, come back as like a zombie, essentially, and then get killed again is quite quite heavy. <laughs> um, so I quite like the fact that, you know, it ended with the whole family pretty much being uh, reanimated. Um, yeah, I didn't see that coming. Um, so, I mean, the film itself, I feel like, is a much scarier premise than the film itself so it is a horror film but it's not it's not really particularly gory it's not particularly suspenseful or tense um once the i mean the daughter dies maybe just over a bit more than halfway um and so there's not a lot of time of her being evil i feel like they could have expanded upon that a bit more um or they could have so she basically comes back and is straight away evil. I feel like they could have been a bit more of like, is she evil or is she come back the same? Um, they could have maybe played with that a bit more, uh, a bit more tension there. Um, they, uh, and everyone dies quite quickly. Um, and again, I think they could have maybe prolonged that. Um, and they, they definitely could have done a bit more about, you know, like the zombification or reanimation of them and, and how it maybe affects the rest of the town. Because... It's a pretty contained film. Um, quite a lot of people at her birthday party when this girl dies, but no one else sees her. So they could have maybe had someone from the street see her and be like, shit, I thought she died. And, you know, I feel that there was a lot more scope they could have done with this film. Um, but saying that, you know, it was quite a, I think it was maybe like an hour 40. So it was quite a reasonably tight film. 
Um, yeah. Again, it ended in a way that I really did not expect. So I've got to give it credit for that. Um, I don't know the original film or the novel, so I don't know if it ends any differently um, to that. But yeah, overall, I think, again, maybe because contextually I saw it after Hellboy, which I hated, that <laughs> this film I, I thought was all right, actually. I would probably give it a six. Okay. Um, you know, it could have ramped up the horror a bit more, could have, again, expanded maybe on a lot of the plot points. But yeah, certainly a, a huge improvement on uh, on Hellboy. Um, that, so what's the best horror film you've watched so far this year? I think that's the only horror film I've seen this year. Oh, really? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I have a really terrible recall of I mean, Hellboy, maybe you could put in the horror genre, but... Um, I wouldn't really put it, yeah, I wouldn't put it. What else has been out this year? Us is a horror, I guess. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but Us is better than this. Um, okay. But, again, for what it is, you know, I, can't, I don't think this had a huge budget. It's not got a huge cast. So, you know, it's reasonably creepy. So, yeah, it was all right. Um, and not as good as It, which I really enjoyed when that came out two years ago. Um, and the sequel for that's coming out this year. Was this... Uh, so, wait, was this uh, directed by Stephen King or was it just based on his book? No, it's based on his book. Um, I, I he directed? Or no? I don't think he's directed any of it, no. he. I think uh, he might consult on the script or maybe has written some scripts, but he didn't... I think he just kind of executive produced this. Um, okay. Yeah. Uh... Yeah, so it was all right. Um, mm. have, have you seen anything else, like, recent? Um, Film-wise, not really. I, don't think, I still need to watch Suicide Squad. I completely forgot to watch that. I want to re-watch <laughs> extended bit. you just got to bite the bullet, mate. Just bite the yeah, bullet. Yeah, I know. I know. Um, I finished House of Cards. Yeah? Um, yeah. Good. Uh, well. Mm. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Give a very brief overview of the series and okay. feel free to go into spoilers because I don't anticipate watching it. Okay. Frank's Frank's dead. Claire's president. There's two people who are trying to take her down. I'm not sure why. And neither is anybody <laughs> else. <laughs> um, Doug's crazy. He wants to kill Claire. Claire wants to kill Doug. Don't know why. Doug wants to avenge Frank, I guess. But, again, I don't know why. So how does um, Frank die? Uh, well, phew, that, that, that's the kicker, mate. That's the kicker. So that, this is why this series makes no sense. So, um, so we know at the end of season five, Claire's taken over from Frank. And yeah. she basically stops answering his calls and whatnot. Because and, it's obviously, like she said, it's her turn now, right? Oh, oh, and by the way, Claire's pregnant. Oh, okay. She's like almost 50 years old, but she, <laughs> she's pregnant. That baby's almost certainly going to have Down syndrome. Oh, um, wow, okay. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Um, oh, and these people who are after Claire tried to kill her baby. Oh. And then, and then they, she has a meeting with them the next day, and she's like rubbing the baby's belly, and I'm like, what are you doing, what? And then, yeah, these people have got this son who's not really their son. And I thought it was a test tube baby or something, but it's not. Um, yeah, it's weird. Anyway, so yeah, uh, last episode of the season, uh, Frank left 
uh, like a video diary, or, no, not a video diary, like a recording, basically talking about Claire and how she knows or knew about Eric, all of Frank's schemes and how he used to consult her and stuff like that. And obviously Claire, at this point, she's changed her last name back to Hale. She's trying to separate herself from Frank and blah, blah, blah. And then basically Doug's threatening her to release uh, all of these clips uh, to the media. Um, as long, um, and he says he won't do it if Claire, decide, if Claire um, takes back everything, all the bad stuff she's saying about Frank because, you know, obviously Doug's Frank's rather die and whatnot. And um, Claire's, like, threatening to go to nuclear war with, um, I think, Siberia or Russia or something like that. I don't know <laughs> why. She literally, she looks, like a, she looks like a lunatic in the boardroom. And everyone in the boardroom's, like, everyone in, like, the war room's, like, corner up and they're like, this is ludicrous. Like, we're not going to go to war over, over um, this fabricated speculation. And she's like, uh, shut your mouth. I'm going to do whatever I want. <laughs> and I was just like, well, I respect it. Power move. Um, she created an all-female cabinet, which I thought was was nice. I guess that was like halfway through. Doesn't really make, doesn't really mean anything to the rest of the series in the end, to be honest. Um, yeah, so we get to the last episode. Doug and Claire. Um, Claire, no, so Claire's um, nemesis, I guess, are planning on uh, assassinating her, and Doug finds out about this, and I guess he doesn't want her to die, but he just wants her to give Frank's his due praise or whatever. So he warns her about it and they basically thwart the plan. And then her and Doug are talking and, uh, you know, confessing, I guess. And Doug admits to killing Frank because Frank was going to the White House oh. to kill Claire or something. It's not oh, very okay. well Yeah, it's not very well explained. I'm not going to lie. And then Claire's like, oh, it's okay, though. It's okay. Uh, and then... And then, um, Frank, then Claire <laughs> kills Frank. <laughs> no, kills kills Doug. <laughs> oh. she, Claire stabs Doug in the stomach, and he bleeds out in her office. And then Claire looks at the camera, and then the series ends. Okay, that sounds terrible. It's not, it's not good. It's not good. It took me ages to finish it. Quite in November, I finished it last week. It took me ages. Yeah, to be fair though, I. I... Because I'm listening back to old pods, it took me ages to finish series five of it. Or I actually quite liked it. I mean, the first two series were really good, and then it just oh goes yeah. I think the first three, oh, no, maybe not actually. No, yeah, the first two are definitely really good, and then one of the seasons is, is pretty good after that, and then yeah, season five I thought was all right. Like I, I, it was watchable. Finished it pretty quickly, but this was like yeah, it's pretty pretty terrible (laughs) well um i've been watching a hbo tv series called big little lies um i don't know if you've heard of it i've heard of it yeah it's based on a book which i haven't read um and i don't really know anything about but uh what interested me in it was the fact that it's got reese witherspoon shailene woodley um adam scott uh what's her name nicole kidman um, Zoe Kravitz like it's a really really starry cast um, yeah. and it's basically uh, about you know these parents oh and Laura Dern who's really famous it's about these these parents in uh, a really kind of bourgeois city in uh, California called Manta Ray and like they all have huge houses like yeah. just opulence um, 
and the the film is non-linear um so i'm five episodes in i think there might be eight in total and uh it's it's basically it's not really well it's kind of a who done it but also who's dead because currently we don't really know so it kind of cuts between some of the residents um that you see throughout the series basically saying oh yeah well we knew that jane chapman was fishy or there's definitely something up with madeline um so madeline is reese witherspoon um jane chapman is shining woodley uh nicole kidman's called celeste um, and they've all got like problems in their personal lives so it seems like someone has died um but currently we don't know who's dead and or who did it so it's sort of you're ba- basically finding out you know all these people's problems and there seems to be like lots of motive for people to kill certain people so like madeline's character uh, sorry reese Witherspoon's character madeline really doesn't get along with this woman called Renata, who's played by Laura Dern. Um, They're basically the two matriarchs of this city, and they really don't get along. Um, So there's motive there. There's times when they've been talking to their husbands, and they're both like, you know, I could really like, oh, I could kill that woman, you know, sort of thing. Um, But then also Renata's daughter is allegedly being bullied by Jane's son, who's played by Shining Woodley. So again, there's motive there. Um, but then Charlene Woodley was raped and so she wants to find the guy who raped her and kill him and so it's really interesting because currently (laughs) you don't know who's dead or who's done it so uh, you're watching this thing unfold but um, there's a bit of mystery there but also even just like because the cast is so starry like they're all really good actors um, and even the children the play by some really kind of good talented children um they're all like six years old so even just watching them kind of this kind of bourgeois lifestyle like Reese Witherspoon plays the kind of matriarch like you know she's a bit of a gossip she like likes networking and blah 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 blah. so it's just yeah I like spending time with those characters the soundtrack's really good the location's amazing and the cinematography like makes it look really beautiful um so yeah just the series as a whole is really interesting um i'm a bit frustrated that so far we don't know anything about the kind of murder mystery but i'm hoping that gets expanded upon a bit more soon okay is there only one yeah. season out or is it one, one? yeah uh, one season currently um so yeah I'd, I'd really i'd really recommend it uh it's on like now tv or um hbo um yeah and uh, i think yeah maybe got like two or three episodes left so uh looking forward to how that one ends yeah yeah you should um i also saw a film that came out last year called the miseducation of cameron post so that's on netflix um that's a story about the eponymous cameron post who is played by chloe grace moretz um it's set in 93 which is the best year and um she's uh so she's from like a conservative christian family um but on her prom night uh she's found by the guy that took her to prom uh getting off with this other woman and she then gets sent to a gay conversion camp um which apparently are 
fairly common in America or certain parts yeah. of America. Yeah. Um, maybe particularly in that time period. Uh, and basically just follows her um, and some of the other characters um, within this gay conversion camp uh, about, you know, what it means for them to be kind of identifying as gay um, and some of their struggles with, you know, because there's quite kind of fundamentalist views in terms of like, you know, you're sinful. Um, this is, you know, you, you're feeling this way, your same sex attractions because you, you like sports or because you're, you hung around with your dad too much or whatever, like, and it's sort of, it, it, obviously this film is anti um, uh, conversion camps, but I think it also presents each character in a way that you're sort of like left to sort of make up your own mind really um, as to whether you think these camps are like helping these people or not um, right. because some of them obviously like they're being rejected by their parents um, and they're going through their own like mental health issues so I think there's uh, yeah, it's a really interesting film. It's only like 90 minutes long, um, but the acting in it's pretty solid. Um, obviously, it deals with some really like relevant themes, um, especially in terms of like identity and acceptance and things like that. Um, and obviously, it would really be controversial because, you know, like in kind of some or well, many religions, like homosexuality is. Uh, frowned upon and seen as sinful and everything so yeah, yeah it raises some good moral questions um yeah and well acted so yeah i'd, I'd recommend watching that um again it's, it's not like it kind of ends with it's not ambiguous but it's like there's not necessarily a, a resolution um which i think is probably the point because it's like you know these things are still happening, and like, are the, uh, can you ever really kind of take train yourself to not have these urges if that's who you are? Yeah, uh, yeah, good kind of good film. Um, good moral questions. I'd recommend yeah. it. Okay. I also saw uh, on Netflix a film called Moneyball. I don't know if you've ever okay. seen that. Seems I like, have it, but I've heard that it's good. Yeah, Brad it's Pitt really good. Uh, yeah, and I, th yeah. I think it's definitely your sort of film. Um, okay. So it's a sports drama. It's about baseball, which I have no interest in. Um, yeah. But, but as like a concept, uh, as like a sports drama, it's like really good. Like it's really well acted. Like Brad Pitt um, plays this general manager of the Oakland Athletics, which are a... Um, baseball team based in Oakland, California. Um, and basically there, it's set in 2002. Uh, so Billy Bean's an ex-pro. Um, he was scouted from a young age and he basically is an all-rounder, like good at fielding, good at pitching and whatever the other disciplines are. Um, but he never lived up to his potential. But now he's general manager of the Oakland Athletics. And that basically means that he's in charge of bringing in players and trading them but he doesn't manage he doesn't he's not the coach so that's played by philip seymour hoffman um and it's basically like they operate on the lowest budget uh in the league um and basically every season all of their best players get 
poached by the New York Yankees or the Boston Red Sox or any of the other bigger clubs. Um, mm. And so basically to try and get round that um, or to kind of keep them competitive, he employs uh, a, basically a data scientist um, mm. played by Jonah Hill. And he basically just looks at players from purely statistical point of view. So he's like, okay, what's the most important part of baseball? Getting people around the bases. Not so doesn't matter how good people are at fielding or whatever. As long as we, it's basically like, if you put in football terms, outscore your opponent. Like yeah. if we can score three goals, no, if they score two, we score three. So sort your defense, you know, focus on the attack. And so he basically, using statistics, says these are the players that will get you the most bases. Um, and then you've got like the old guard, the scouts are being like, this is ridiculous. Um, he's terrible at defense or he's not good at throwing or whatever. And it's like, I don't care. He's good at taking bases. So they, yeah, so they employ this method and there's a lot of resistance to it. Um, and I won't really say any more because I think you should watch it and, you know, I don't want to spoil the ending for you. Um, okay. But it's a really interesting film. Like, there's not tons of actual baseball in it, which I think is to its credit because mm. a film about a sport that isn't really played outside of America can be quite alienating to an international mm. audience, um, which was probably one of the reasons why I'd held off watching it for so long. Um, but in terms of like the drama of it and the science of it, because um, it's a true story, uh, it's really, really fascinating. And it, you can sort of see how certain football teams are sort of applying that now. I was going to say the exact same thing. Because I think Arsenal certainly have done that, haven't they? Like, that's why we've yeah. ended up terrible players such as Mustafi and Gabriel, because they yeah, were the best yeah. um, So there's an argument that it doesn't always work. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's really interesting and, and very relevant, um, I think, for you know, the sport that I enjoy. And I don't know whether they employ that in NBA or NFL or anything, but um, I wouldn't be surprised if they did. Yeah, probably some, probably some sort of element of it, yeah. Yeah, so I would, I would really recommend you watching that. It's about two hours 15, so it's reasonably long, but um, it's uh, entertaining. Yeah, I'll give it a go. Is it on Netflix? Yeah, and it got yeah. quite a few Oscar nominations. Um, Brad Pitt got nominated, Jonah Hill got nominated, um, the director got nominated, I think. So yeah, it's a, it's a really good film. Uh, I'll add it to my list. Yeah. My list is so... Um, and yeah, I don't know if I can't think of anything else that I've seen recently. Um, is there anything that you want to mention? Uh, I watched the first episode of the final season of Gotham, despite not watching any other episode of Gotham ever. Uh, which is a, <laughs> okay. Which is against my common nature because I can't just start things halfway through. I need to start. Okay, so why why did you watch the last series? Because I saw the trailer for it and I saw the pictures. To be honest, so going further back, actually, the whole concept of Gotham doesn't really appeal to me. Like, basically, a story about Batman before he's Batman. I don't really give a shit about that. Um, So that's why I've never watched it. And, yeah, so then this final season, I think the tagline was, like, The Legend of the Dark Knight or something like that. And there was 
basically, I think this is the part where Bruce Wayne is actually starting to become Batman. And I watched a trailer for it, and it looked kind of interesting. And I saw that there was like loads of villains, like um, I think Mister Freeze was in it, the Riddler was in it, um, the Bane was in it. Although the the Bane outfit is absolutely terrible, it's quite funny. Um, <laughs> and there was like a picture of the for the finale of the Joker, and it looked quite interesting. So I thought, let me try and watch this with zero context and see how it works out. And to be honest, it made reasonable amount of sense, but there were uh, so a couple of people died in it, and I'm and I feel like. If I'd watched it from the beginning, it would have been a bit more um, uh, shocking to me, I suppose. But I just didn't, okay. I didn't, know, didn't know the character and they died, so I just didn't really care. So, but yeah, it's, it was actually okay for a thing that I've literally never watched before. <laughs> it wasn't too bad. I might try and watch it the rest of it because I think it's only like 10 episodes or something like that. Just to see. What, what per season? No, um, just for the final season. I might try, I'm not going to watch the whole thing because it's like over 100 episodes now. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, and I, I was thinking, thinking like this is like really against my like my core. So when I was watching it, I was like, oh, I shouldn't be watching this because I don't know <laughs> anything that's happened, that's happened before. And I was thinking the same thing about doing that for Agents of Shield as well because that's over like a hundred episodes now. So I've got no chance of like catching up anytime soon. But the, the final season's only thirteen episodes. I might watch the final season. Probably won't. But yeah. <laughs> um. Do you not think there's a frustration that if you are an ardent fan of Gotham, that you've been watching Bruce Wayne become Batman? And also, I think, I don't know much about it, but I think, like you said, they've been teasing this character becoming the Joker for so long that, you know, if it ends with them having become both of these characters, are you not sort of like, I want to see what happens afterwards? Yeah, I suppose so. But... Yeah, probably, but I don't know. I feel like the whole... Because then I feel like at the time they couldn't have Bat- actual Batman be in it because of like all like the films and you know like them having the rights to it and stuff like that. I feel like it's slightly different now because now we've got like... Now, basically, they don't give a shit about the DCEU, so now pretty, I think pretty much any property can use whatever the fuck they like. So, like, you've got Arrow oh, mentioning okay. Batman and having Batwoman and you've got Batman and Titans and all that stuff. So, I think if, if Gotham had started this year or last year, then I think they would have done him being, like, becoming a young Batman and actually being Batman. But I think it's too late now and the ratings are too low. They've just said, oh, yeah, we're just going to scrap it. <laughs> Maybe they could do a film where Maybe, yeah. you know, these characters are within it. Like, Because, again, like you said, they don't really care about the continuity. Um, mm. Well, I think maybe... Um, because obviously you get sometimes uh, streaming services do this. Maybe like DC Universe could revive it if they really wanted to. But yeah. That would probably be quite confusing having Gotham and then having Batman in Titans played by, uh, what's his face? Jorah. So Jorah. Jorah Mormon, yeah. They're old though. I don't think he looks, he doesn't look like a Batman to me. No, he doesn't. He looks Mad more like an Alfred. Yeah, yeah, done, definitely. They're scruffy as well. Um, Not sick. But talking of Jorah Mormon, we've got a, uh, Game of Thrones Series 8 starts tonight. I'm so, so excited. Oh my God. By next pod, we would have watched the first episode. Um, so I'm staying off social media all of tomorrow because there is not a chance oh, hell that I, I'm getting any spoilers. I, literally, from the moment I leave my house, headphones are in 
and the music is on as high volume as possible because I will not yeah. hear anyone on this track on the train to work talking about Game of Thrones. If I hear people mention no. it at work, headphones in, everybody else out, I have to stay. It has to be radio silent until I get home. Yeah, literally. And so, I'm super, super excited. So, um, so that's what we'll be probably talking about mainly next week. Um, I don't know. Are there any films coming out that we're going to uh, watch? I want to watch Little. I think that's. You said you only, might watch Little. Yeah. I think that's the only thing, really, for me, to be honest. And then the week after will be Endgame. Oh, shit. And I won't be here. <laughs> oh mate! Oh my god! Yeah, I, I just thought that you guys are gonna do the pod- gonna do the podcast to about anger about me. I'm, oh, I'm yeah. so, I was I was actually so upset when I was thinking. How, how good's the uh, <laughs> how, how good's the Skype connection in Nigeria? Uh, <laughs> I think it's non-existent to be honest with you. Oh. <laughs> well, you have to send us a long essay with your yeah. thoughts, and we can. Uh, Interspersed. Oh yeah, I'll I'll record myself talking about it and then I'll send it to you. I mean, I'm sure we'll we'll discuss it for a long time afterwards, and yeah. I'm certainly hoping to watch it a couple of times. Yeah. Um, yeah well, is there, is there anything else, or should we wrap up? Um. Yeah, I ain't got anything else, mate. To be honest with you. So, yeah. Cool. Well, thanks for listening to episode 79. You can tweet us at YC Podcast 17. We're on Facebook, Instagram, iTunes, SoundCloud, and YouTube under your average critics and uh until next time peace peace